Announcement. The revolution will not be televised. I repeat, the hemp revolution will not be televised. Welcome to the Hemp Revolution Podcast, the global hotspot for the buzz and the cannabis. Hear the secrets of the green rush from the dreamers who are writing the rules, innovating business, and changing history forever. Immerse yourself with the fascinating stories from the leaders in the hemp health revolution to learn how we are changing the game. Now here's your hosts, James Brinkerhoff and Sonia Gomez. Hey guys, Sonia Gomez and James Brinkerhoff coming to you from Denver, Colorado. This is another episode of the Hemp Revolution podcast, and I'm super excited to be here with you with another fellow cultivator and pioneer in the cannabis space. As you know, it is our mission to share with you the truth about cannabis and hemp so that you can make empowered, educated decisions about how you want to care for yourself, your love, and the conditions you may be suffering from. But more importantly, we want to make sure to lift the skirt on the industry and share a little bit about what's happening behind the scenes through the eyes of the entrepreneurs who are pushing this incredible industry forward. In today's episode, we are going to be interviewing, as I mentioned, a fellow pioneer in the cultivation space, one of the first outdoor, if not the first outdoor cultivator in Colorado. And uh, again, somebody who has paved the way for the evolution of the industry. Please help me welcome our guest, Mr. Sean Hanukkah. Nice to meet you, and nice to have you on the show, Sean. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate the time. Yeah, absolutely. It's a pleasure to have you on. I'm really excited. I almost never get to do my podcast with my husband, but since James has also been in cultivation for umpteen years, I thought it would be a good mix to have us both on and let you guys ham out on um, you know, everything that's happening in the industry as far as cannabis goes. But before we dive in, why don't you share a little bit about your background and how you ended up involved with the Colorado cannabis movement in the first place? Sure. Um, so we'll back it up a little bit. I was actually born in Ipswich, uh, uh, UK, in the United Kingdom, on UK soil. So I have awesome dual citizenship. But I was raised in uh, very central rural Indiana, um, where cannabis is obviously a no-no. So with that being said, uh, I grew up in a very prohibition cannabis era of my life. My father being a police officer for 26 and a half years just simply magnified that. So there was never really any cannabis experiences in my life until I got to high school and smoked a little bit, that type of thing. When I uh, actually dropped out of college in 1999 because I was done with Indiana and I moved to Colorado, it happened to be the same year that they approved Amendment 20 uh, for medical cannabis. I didn't show up here for that. I came out chasing dreams and aspirations. And long story short, in about 2006, I had a uh, accident with alcohol and decided I was going to give up alcohol and whip cold turkey on alcohol. And discovered cannabis very shortly after that and decided that was a much better alternative for my vices than alcohol was. So my first question became, where is this coming from? How is it cultivated? What goes into this product? And no one could answer it. So um, obviously back in those days, getting product from all over the United States is where it's coming in from. And I don't know where it's coming from. It's got a name on it. I don't know what the name is. It could be changed, that type of thing. So... And these days, we're talking all the way back in 2005, I did not even understand the difference between indica and sativa. I had no clue what that was. 
So if you don't want to DA to knock on your door, you don't type in Google what's the difference between Indica and Sativa. So what I did was jump on a plane in 2007 and fly to Amsterdam to the High Times Cannabis Cup and walk around to every seed purveyor I could find in Amsterdam and ask them the difference between Indica and Sativa and how come I get up and how come I get down. That's literally how my entire career started in the cannabis industry. That simple point right there. That magnified into me cultivating at my house, not being able to cultivate enough weight. So then I took three shipping containers and buried them under the mountain up at my ranch property in Western Colorado. I just buried them right into the side of the mountain, took 200 amps of power at them, 24,000 watts of HDS, and started growing. And I made every feasible mistake you could possibly make in the game. I First time I walked out and saw those beautiful buds all covered up in webs, I thought, wow, spiders really must like bud a lot. They make webs on top of them. What's that? <laughs> of course, quickly discovering right afterwards, spider mites. So that's how literally green I was when all this started. And there's a, I meet a lot of people right now in that same position. And they're looking at this huge wall or this mountain in front of them. And they're like, how can I ever catch up to you? Like, start. <laughs> it's just that easy. You have to start. You have to make all these mistakes. You can't just tell, have someone tell you, oh, this is how you prevent these and prevent that. You have to actually have the problem to be able to solve the problem. So I was very fortunate to be able to discover all of the ups and downs that come with cannabis on my own time in an era where if you got caught doing it, you were going to do some time in federal prison. And I learned a lot. Um, and I learned in cultivating for about three years indoors that it's expensive and it costs a lot of money to do it commercially because I became a commercial gardener. And now we're running six rooms that have 20 lights in each room and it's perpetual harvest every six days. And I'm just pulling my hair out. Like, what is going on? This is nuts. We're going and start looking at prices per pound. And back in those days, it was costing us 800 to a thousand a pound to grow. That started motivating me to look at the sun. And so free power free wind, free uh, rain. Like, let's look at this. So it took me about two seasons to develop my own blend of soil. And I came up with a custom blend of soil. And once I perfected it, $300 in soil, which was 16 cubic feet, produced a 8.76 pound dried trim bud of Girl Scout cookie form cut. And right then I was hooked. <laughs> I said, this is it. <laughs> Outdoor cultivation and greenhouses and live soil is the whole future of everything. Yeah. I need to go back to my roots growing up in Indiana and I was a farmer. And unfortunately, we used herbicides and pesticides and everything in the world you can imagine. If it didn't have ammonia on it, it wasn't going to grow. So uh, in those days, we weren't really watching out for the earth. We weren't really watching out for the soil or everything that associated and touches it. We were just trying to get a crop. So I just took a step to the left and when everybody in the industry was blasting salts and building out indoor grows and they thought double Indica Vitas were the best thing in the world, I'm down here staying in the middle of a 55 acre farm, putting a fence up with my bare hands, trying to grow 500 outdoor medical plants and chasing my dream. So that's led me now to a about 5,000 plant count we'll have for next season. Our best yet uh, harvest, we had... 3,065 plants, and we pulled extractable uh, material just at 6,000 pounds. So it's not bad doing large commercial, but we had to get away from the individual pots of doing just 16 cubic feet to make a nine-pound plant. 
because two years ago, the economics of the industry did not allow that. We got all the way down into $600 a pound for a product and the economic didn't work. So we had to stick to economics of scale. And so we amended our native soil that's here through a series of adding all sorts of different compost and we add liquid amendments, nothing salt-based, everything's 100% organic minerals that go into the ground. Uh, and then we actually put down two drip lines and a top, what's called plastic mulch to hold the moisture in. And that's now how we cultivate our large outdoor commercial crop. We are basically a soil to oil company. So all of our product that's cultivated in our one crop that we do a year all goes into concentrates in one form or another. With that, we make every form of concentrates that there's available, uh, everything from the wax and shatters all the way through the exotic diamonds and sauces into water-soluble distillates. We make our own uh, cannabis terpenes, not steam distilled. We have different IP for making them. <clears throat> we make vape parts. And as of today, like an hour ago, we just got approved from the county to be able to start making our first uh, line of edibles, which we're going to call Yedibles. And there'll be a beyond nanotechnology. It's miscible technology. The best way for me to describe that to you is the nanotechnology and distillates that are currently being used have a fat as a carrier into the system. And for the body to burn the fat to actually get the cannabinoid takes a very long time. That's why your uptake can be two hours, three hours, four hours. We have removed the fat 100% from it. And our molecules of cannabinoids will uptake into your system in 90 seconds to nine minutes guaranteed. Wow. So Is it myself? Is it myself? Yeah. Uh, Miscible technology, it's M-I-S-I-C-B-L, Miscible technology. And what Miscible means is to, to homogenize. The best way I can explain this to you is in current nanotechnology, it's a lot like, well, because it is, it's water and oil. So I can put that through a homogenizer and make sure that it doesn't, uh, or make it blend. But then the next day, if I come back and look at it, they separate it again. The way ours works, our miscible technology is, think of it like water dye. So I drip water dye into a glass, and then as I mix it, we come back the next day, that glass still has the same color as the water dye. That's exactly what our new edibles technology in very one-on-one simple form is doing. So we've come a long way. That's like really exciting. And how are you? Oh, it's extremely exciting. Your growing practices are all organic, right? And you make a lot of your own inputs. 100%. Yeah, I'm big on making my own teas and bokashis. And cool. if, uh, if, if the crowd isn't familiar with bokashi, it's a fermenting technique. There's a debate whether it's from Japan or Korea. So we just simply say it's an Asian fermenting technique to make it simple and respectful to everybody that who could if they're not close to technology. All organic uh, fruits, vegetables, uh, grasses, stalks, things like that, and mix them into a barrel. And we mix them with EM1 which is a fermenting solution, and some molasses. We always use powdered molasses. Never use liquid molasses in your grows as a bad bacteria in it that can cause systemic problems in your plants and uptake wrong. So always use powdered molasses because it's been cooked to the point where it's killed the bad bacteria. So we'll put powdered molasses in with our EM1, and we wait till the pH of the solution inside gets to a 3.5. At that point, the solution has fully fermented and is ready to go. Here's the super cool thing about it. We can actually cut down our black-eyed Susies, our grasses, even our weeds that we have on the farm out here, throw them into a barrel and ferment them. 
and we will extract the cellular level of that plant so deeply that we pull the memory of the plant. These plants have been evolving on this property for thousands of years. So what I do is I strip the cellular memory count from them and by fermenting them through Bokashi, feed it to my plants through a systemic uptake with a proper pH balance through the water, and the plants will literally, I'm not exaggerating, they'll grow four inches in a day. They wow. really grow four inches. And what they're doing is they're uptaking the cellular memory of these plants that have evolved out here for thousands of years. Now what we do is cut the plants down at the end of the season, throw them into fermenting barrels, and take that whole calculation of the memory that's been made for the year and start feeding that to our brand new clones that will be going out next year. Awesome. So I bet your plants are just thriving and, and loving it out there at this point. They do. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's taken years and it only gets better every year. We've made plenty of mistakes out here um, yeah. that I've learned from, but uh, more importantly, we're learning from them and building on those and trying to make a better product every year. Awesome. So tell me a little bit about the economics of the operation. How is the yields down there in Pueblo, Colorado? We, we see on an average for commercial cultivation, we see anywhere between a two all the way up to about a 3.5. I have some leasers on my property that supplement with salt-based nutrients, which of course helps tremendously in vegetative growth and also in bud development. We choose not to do that. We stick 100%, no nutrients, no herbicide, no pesticides. We are 100% organic, but you can see a variety of changes uh, in, the, in the outputs. In saying that, we're just about ready to build a 4,200 square foot uh, live bed greenhouse. We'll have about 3,500 square foot live bed. Um, they'll be broken into a series of beds, but that'll be the whole room. And that's where we'll start to showcase the growing talents of true organic uptake in the plants. Literally using everything from organic IPM by using nematodes and triple threat organic uh, or triple threat uh, mites to take care of any sort of spider mites or russet mites and the nematodes to take care of the aphids and the white flight larvas. We're just going to make this greenhouse a 100% showcase of what you can do with live soil and organics. I have a friend of mine that's on his 23rd turn in his live beds, meaning he cuts the stalk and the next day puts a clone right next to where that stalk was. He cut and then grows it all the way from clone to flower. He's on his 23rd turn and has never done anything but top dress and put in certain supplemental plants on top that then die and then feed. Yeah. For anybody that's getting in the game as a cultivator, that's really the future of all cultivation because it's, it's the lowest cost, right? That's 100%. And that's why we do it. You cannot keep spending money at the grocery store every two weeks to buy more nutrients and more nutrients and more bud bloom. And you cannot do that. You have to come up with practices. This is a commodity we're talking about here. Yeah. And this commodity will change. And people tend to forget that. And the reason we tend to forget that is because you used to be able to walk into a bar on Friday night with a quarter pound in your backpack and walk out with two to 3,000 bucks depending on how far you broke it down. There was no sales involved. It sold itself. Well, we're no longer in that market. Now we're in a market where we have to watch every single penny and watch where it goes. And because Yeti Farms has no partners, no investors, it's me. I'm responsible for everything at the end of the day. The good, the bad, the ugly. We watch every single penny. And I watch every check it gets written and how it goes. So when I look at my neighbors and I say, how much is your weekly propane bill for those heaters that you have in your greenhouse? And they go, oh, we're so excited. We've got it down to $3,000. And I say, you're spending $12,000 a month to buy propane and you get no return on that. Is that correct? 
And they're like, well, we get the return of the garden. I'm like, but what happens? And for those of you that don't know, when you cultivate in a greenhouse in the wintertime, you create a thunderstorm in the top of the greenhouse and it'll begin to rain in your greenhouse. You don't want this. So with that, you have to evacuate the air when it hits a certain humidity point or a certain temperature. So what everybody does is heat their greenhouses up to 85 to 86 degrees and then blast all the air out of it because it's too humid. Then they put fresh air into it, a cold air, and then they have to heat that up. Well, it starts the process over and over and over again. It's a horrible practice. So what we've decided to do on our 4,200 square foot greenhouse is buy a propane fired generator and use that generator inside of a building. We'll build a building around it and I'll build duct work off of that that sucks the heat out of that building that's produced from the combustible engine and from the radiator, no exhaust, the exhaust piped out elsewhere, and we'll run the heat from this generator room into the greenhouse and I can open the other end of the greenhouse if I want and let it constantly blow because the radiator is going to be 180 to 200 degrees Fahrenheit. I don't need the room at 82. So we have free air or free heat, free power. And I had to buy a $20,000 generator to make that happen. I don't pay back to the power grid and I create all of my own HVAC and all my own power on my farm and I own my generator and it's a depreciated asset for my farm. Sounds like you got your numbers locked down really good and, and you've figured out how to really make it as a cultivator. And I've been talking to a lot of people um, recently, old cultivators from Northern California, and that's where kind of I spent all my time um, as a commercial cultivator for, the, for the most of my careers in Mendocino and Humboldt County. So I've seen a lot of what you're talking about, those containers buried in the ground, and I've seen, all, I've seen every different version, gardens way on the top of trees and all kinds of stuff. Oh, yeah. But a lot of people are telling me I quit growing the flower because it doesn't, there's no money in it anymore. And it's really expensive, really expensive to operate. But you've got, you've kind of got kind of niched down to where it's, there's a lot of upside there, right? (laughs) We grow pounds for this year. um, And I'm not exaggerating. I'm a little bit upset because we're off our number. It cost me $38 a pound to grow this year. Wow. Unbelievable. You guys... (laughs) You guys heard it here thirty years ago per pound, and and the indoor cultivators like, and I've been consulting oh. people. I've been consulting people around here on, um, you know, where to grow, and I'm like, you know, the numbers don't lie. Sixty percent of all the cannabis is being grown in downtown Denver, and that's going to be a major disruption. Yeah, w- when you start looking at the way I'm doing things, and I'm not the guy to stand up. I'm I'm very blessed to be on this podcast. I've never been on a podcast before, so, <laughs> but the, the the type of information I put out. And I'll step off my humble stump for one second. I just went to Kansas City and I have some clients I'm working with in Missouri. I'm on 18 different licenses over there. And they bring in people who've never even met me before and they try my product. And they just straight up say, they're like, listen, we're not trying to build you a big head. We smoke product across the entire country. Yours is the best. This concentrate is out of this world. What is it? It's the all organic inputs. It's also the way our extraction techniques are done. We make a very high level extract. But what I've done is I've looked at this from soil to oil, even at the dispensary model. The dispensary model right now for me doesn't work. To go vertically integrated seems like the next step. Yeah. But it's not because I can't write off anything for 280E at the dispensary. So right. right now I'm kind of sitting in the sweet spot. I get to write everything off. I still get to enjoy my market and explore all these new niche ways to do it. But I honestly believe that the industry is going to have to go this way of live beds because the perpetual cost that comes with uh, salt-based nutrients cultivation is going to just break everybody. It's going to come down to that much. It's going to come down to 
Does it, did you spend $150 on your nutrients for this run? Or did you have renewable soil that's actually investing back into you? Oh, we've got live soil that's investing back into us. Well, that makes a difference when you're talking about thousands of pounds. Yeah. So we see that's the future. Um, I wish everybody the best in whatever ways they want to do it. But um, I own two grow stores and I don't see any reason to pay for 98% water and 2% solution. So I gave that up years ago and went to the sun and the water and the earth and it seems to be working very well for us. Well, there's your, there you have it, folks. That's your competition. You're going to have to grow your cannabis for less than $100 a pound to be viable in the marketplace. And, and that's pretty awesome, man. I hope you hold on to your technology and your IP. And I know some, there's probably going to be some very big organizations knocking at your door here if they haven't already. They're starting, and, and I'm a pretty humble guy. I keep my mouth shut a lot. I just kind of, I'm, uh, you know, all fact, no brag, man. I just, just look at it. That's what it is. I'm much more that person. Maybe if I took a little bit more of the brag fact, people would see it a little bit more. But I think that the, in- the industry will grow up to eventually mature into the area where they understand what I'm saying. Yeah, I think it's really important. You know, I say the same thing in, in a lot of the education that we've been providing in our and everything that we have done since we left California and came into Colorado has been to focus on the education that we're providing to sort of bridge the gap. I think the industry grew faster than the consumer could reconcile. Um, and there's this really significant gap where the customer base um, doesn't really understand what products to select or how to effectively use them to get the results that they're looking for. They either blow themselves out and get way too high, or they're finding brands and products that have glossy advertisement, but absolutely no meat um, on the bone. And so a lot of what we focused on is education. And I know you're huge on that too. You're traveling, um, I would say globally right now, educating people on cultivation practices, um, sustainable farming, things like that, right? Yes, ma'am. Yeah, it's become uh, out of nowhere. It just uh, one phone call came and someone asked me to come speak at a federal event for the Division of Water Resources uh, about three years ago. I spoke to about 1,500 people. and it's kind of like a slow trickle, right? It just started, you know, another organization called, then six months later, another called. Now I'm getting phone calls every month. Uh, we went, I'm supposed to be in Mexico. Um, I, I, yes, I'm traveling internationally now. I'm traveling all over the country. It's kind of a joke that my employees laugh now. They're like, you're here for the whole week. I'm like, yeah, I'm actually going to be here. You're going to have to put up with me for a whole week around here. So yeah. <laughs> they're going to get giggle out of it because I'm just, uh, I'm out spreading the word now. And uh, because I'm very direct, I'm very black and white, and I'm not trying to sell anybody anything. I, I'm just not. I'm trying to tell you about an experience that I have and warn you of pitfalls that I did not know were there that crippled me at the time when it happened. Uh, and I'm trying to protect these people from having to run into these issues is really my true goal uh, by sharing all my experiences for the cannabis industry so far. And 15 years has gone by. It, it's, I blink. I can't believe it's been 15 years. And now I can't believe we're looking at a bill that could possibly legalize this nationwide, giving states rights. I, this, I've been saying it's going to happen, states' rights. I'm like, it's 2020, states' rights. That's when it's going to happen. And yeah. here it is. Now it's on our forefront. I have a lot of faith it will happen. The reality is it maybe won't because who's controlling what and we won't get into politics. But uh, that is a huge progressive step in the right direction. Uh, yeah. Yep. It's like, you know, it, it, it's, it's just, I couldn't be happier. Somehow I'm blessed in life to, <laughs> I always thought I was holding on to the tip of the tiger's tail on this industry. 
like the last few hairs of the tiger's tail. I seriously felt like that for years and years and years. And then it was like one time I just grinned and bared and put my head down and worked. And then I, I, I opened my eyes and I, I looked down and I wasn't holding on to his tail. I was holding on to the tiger's whiskers and I'm riding on his neck. And this industry is going fast. And it's just like, wow, if you slip up, it gets really serious now. These are consequences are really serious now. So me being in the position I am, I don't want someone to slip up and get their hand bitten. I want them to be protected and be able to get further than I did. That's the greatest success in the world to me is to watch anybody I can help get somewhere, get further than I did with proper ethics in life. That's the win for me. I couldn't be happier. I'll stand behind the crowd or behind the curtain and applaud for them as they're on the stage accepting their awards. That's true winning for me in life now at this point. So education and knowledge is where I've kind of started to invest all my time. I love that. And I think that there's so many different points of collaboration for us um, because we have this incredible platform online. And we've really, you know, with all of the work that we did, we came over in, in 2009 to support legislation and to, and to buy into the industry. We got involved with uh, we owned and operated one of the first hundred um, licensed cannabis companies in the state. And uh, we were doing cultivation. We were doing um, the MIP. We had our retail center. And it was so competitive. It was so tough in the very beginning to stay relevant, um, even though we had the best product and the best practices and all of these things, the demand and the supply was just so difficult to keep up with, with the big money that was coming in and buying these huge, you know, um, warehouses in downtown Denver and blowing out shitty product, you know, but they had 50 jars on their, um, on their countertops of like subpar product. And we would get bought out in two days because we had great product but it was gone in two days, you know? So it was really tough for us. And beyond that, interfacing with all the different folks uh, in, inside of the retail setting, you know, anyone from parents of children who had lupus or leukemia or seizure conditions all the way through to the baby boomers or retired veterans um, who were just fighting for their rights to safe access and looking for anything that would eliminate I don't know, phantom pains from being an amputee or something like that, uh, all the way to the professionals who were, you know, helping to write the legislation and were, you know, accountants and lawyers and, and all of the things like there was just such a, there was no middle ground for everyone to come to that gave them a basic level of understanding. And that's why we moved into education and similar to yourself, travel the country have, have traveled internationally to educate and empower, you know, really around the truth to give people some perspective and some hope that there is in fact an alternative and there is a method of care that you can depend on that isn't, you know, blown full of chemicals that isn't, you know, built by profit hungry moguls and that there are real people behind the products and brands that we love. Are you primarily a wholesaler with your oils or do you have a front facing consumer brand as well? We're 100% wholesale. At this point, I'm just not interested in dealing with the, the actual retail side of it. It's uh, There's a lot of arms on that octopus and yeah. I deal with enough arms on the current octopus that I wrestle every day. So yeah. uh, I, I, I'm good with what I have. Yeah. Awesome. Um, share with me just really quickly in, I do a segment inside of the podcast called the words of wisdom. And this is really an opportunity for us as evolved entrepreneurs who are a little bit further down the trail 
um, to support the what I call budding entrepreneurs who are trying to jump into the green rush. And everybody is looking at this industry as this huge cash rich opportunity. And there's, you know, tons of international buzz around this industry. It's the one of the top three fastest growing industries in the world next to sport gambling and cryptocurrency. Um, But somehow cannabis and hemp are at the very, very top of the pyramid as far as conversation and relevancy goes. Um, And a lot of these budding entrepreneurs are are facing challenges that you would that they were not expecting and have no idea how to navigate their way through. You gave a lot of really key advice as far as cultivation, but when it comes to business ownership, I'd love to hear some key pieces of advice that you would offer, maybe two or three pieces of advice that you could offer a brand newbie who's trying to figure out how to get involved in this industry um, and you know what steps that they could take to fast track or... Um, avoid any of the pit, inevitable pitfalls that come along with getting involved with this space. Sure. Uh, and you're 100% correct. Uh, as far as people getting into this, it's the newest, greatest thing. Everybody wants to get in. Everyone wants a piece of it. That's a lot like the hemp side and CBD side. Everyone wants to be a farmer. A quick side note on that. The first hemp auction ever in the United States was just held uh, 10 days ago in Tennessee. Yeah, yeah. And a bunch, a bunch of hemp farmers showed up. Did you hear what the top bid? First off, for three hours, no one bid anything. Did you hear what the top bid was per CBD point? Because that's how, obviously, the CBD is purchased is by was it uh, like a buck? Fi- was it like a dollar, a buck fifty? 20 cents. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> 20 I, heard cents it was a, I heard it was point. a mess. Yeah, I heard it was a mess. So what that means for the people that don't know is if you have one pound of CBD flour or biomass, if you will, that comes at 10% CBD from your analyticals, your cannabinoid profile, that's going to pay you $2 for that pound. The clone costs you $3. So there's a big vacuum and backlash coming in that industry right now. It's already happened in the cannabis industry once. It's going to happen again, but it's already happened once to us. The advice I can give, first piece of advice, number one piece of advice, in any business you do, don't let pride pay your bills. You will tank this thing so fast yeah. if you let pride pay your bills. And what I mean by that is so many people love to invest in the cannabis industry so they can run and brag to their friends that they're involved in the cannabis industry. A lot of people like to get involved hands-on in the industry to be able to brag to their friends that they're in the industry. Uh, it's perfectly fine. I have no problem with that. But it's tough to make money in this industry. It's very tough to make money in this industry. So when you're out flashing around to everybody how cool you are, really what you're doing is just showing off to me that you don't know anything about the industry. Because if you're driving a Mercedes with 26-inch rims and you're a farmer, um, there's a big problem. I don't care if you're an indoor farmer. You can't afford that unless you have a trust fund. There's a big joke in the cannabis industry. Do you know how you make a small fortune in the cannabis industry? You start with a big one. <laughs> and it's, it's real. People don't believe me, but it's real. And I, I can take you to a friend of mine right now that uh, him and his business partner have a $25 million debt to the IRS right now because of their cannabis businesses. $25 million, guys. That's an astonishing number. Yeah, because the they first don't... thing I suggest, <clears throat> no, and the thing is, they had CPAs, they had everything to try to figure this out, but nobody knew. 
We were all standing in this dark room and had no idea what we were doing. Our CPAs didn't, our attorneys didn't, nobody did. And then the IRS starts creeping around. And now they want to know everything about you. I've been in an audit with the IRS for three years this November. I've been in an audit. They're trying to charge me $782,000 for a year that I did $1 million of business. They're trying to charge me $782,000 in taxes and penalties. So what I highly suggest is you find somebody, and I'm not trying to pimp myself out here, but you find somebody you can trust that knows what they're talking about in this industry. And it won't be a crazy fee. They won't charge you $100,000 to consult or advise you. They'll charge you a normal nominal fee. But find somebody that actually is humble and knows what they're talking about. If they show up and they have a crew of eight people and they're going to come through and walk, you're paying all eight of those people's salaries along with the one person that's walking through the door. So it's pretty simple. Go back to basic business 101. If your, if your nephew comes up to you and says, Uncle Jimmy, Uncle Jimmy, I need to borrow $2.5 million to put this grow together and build this lab out, you say, great, let me see the business plan. He puts it all together. The first question I'm going to ask this kid, do you have a buyer for this product? Do you have an end user for this product that's going to buy it from you? Well, my guess is no. Well, I'm not giving you $2 million. But right now, it seems like if you're in the hemp or the cannabis game, you can go ask Uncle Jimmy for $10 million. He's never going to ask you if you have an end user for your product or and he's going to keep feeding you money until he realizes there's no money coming back. I've got a guy in Northern Colorado right now has 160,000 pounds of hemp biomass to get rid of. He sold his company, invested everything he had into the hemp game. And I asked him, do you have a contracted buyer? No. I, I, I said, then why the hell did you do this? I honestly thought people were just going to show up and buy it. Oh. Like, you, you put everything on black thinking someone just because you know why he did that because you used to be able to go into a bar with a quarter pound of weed on friday night <laughs> and walk out with two to three thousand dollars that's why oh my because God. he just saw something that was cool said i'm going to take this company i've been running for 20 years it's extremely profitable and i'm going to sell it and i'm going to dump all this money into this huge farm and this big processing facility and everything and he's like well i'm building the lab next i was like cool when you don't win the kentucky derby with one horse why not put in two <laughs> so that's my business sense for you is use your fucking brain yeah, we you see were that, we're seeing, for a reason yeah, we're seeing that all the time gross overspending on equipment and lab build out and and um and there's it, it looks like to me from from my foresight that the next uh 12 to 18 months is going to be a big bloodbath in the hemp industry oh i've been saying that for two years my, yeah. my girl's involved with it directly every day. And I feel the pulse of that industry on, my, on every single day. It's tough. The hemp industry is dealing with what the cannabis industry had to deal with a few years ago. Regulations and overpopulation of growers. Supply and demand economics 101. If the hemp industry grew eight times the amount that the consumers can consume in one year, one of two things has to happen. They need to grow the consumers by eight times or cut the cost by eight times. What do you think is going to happen? Yeah. We're already seeing the, Listen, guys, we're already seeing the price like, of, of wholesale just steep, steep drop. 20 cents a CBD point last year, it was $3. Yeah. That's, you know, that's what we, we dramatic. If you want to get involved, use, use CBD as an ingredient in your brand and build your, build your brand. 
Yeah, and to be honest, CBD alone as a molecule disintegrates as soon as it goes through the blood membrane anyway, so it's useless. It has to have THC as a shield to be able to block it to go through the blood membrane so that it can actually be useful for your body. So why is the whole world all hyped up about one single molecule and a cannabinoid profile of a plant when we know, we know for a fact there's over 100 different cannabinoids inside of a plant? And we're all excited about one? No. I'm more excited about CBN, the new Xanax bar, the new anti-anxiety. Yeah. I'm so That's what I'm excited about. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, exci- I'm excited about getting people off opiates. Um, as, as great as CBD has been for a raw, raw, raw cannabinoids, it's great, but it's useless for me. It's an additive to a product. It's an ingredient for me. That's all it is. Yeah, so, I agree. The thing I do appreciate about the CBD um, craze right now is how much awareness it's brought to the mainstream and how it's humanized the conversation around cannabis. Like I was at a hot, I was at Strawberry Hot Springs and I was just trying to have like a relaxed day with my family. No big deal. But I heard these little grannies who all had like the city slicker accents from like down south. They're like Alabama, Mississippi, girlfriends who've been getting together for 400 years. And they decided to come to Colorado and go up to Steamboat Springs on a tour bus. Right. So so they come up there and they're talking back and forth and they, and I said just something really random about CBD and all of them flipped around. It's like their bridge club. They all flipped around and for the next 35 minutes monopolized my attention and were like, you know, about that marijuana and that that CBD, they were just like totally pecking at me trying to figure out what the heck the difference was. And I'm guaranteeing you that even 12 months ago, they would have never had this type of conversation beyond complaining about their grandson's involvement with that devil's lettuce. So the one... I couldn't be happier with Sanjay Gupta. That's who started it all. I mean, (laughs) anybody that says it's different, I'll debate with you. He went on to his little Dr. Oz show or whatever it was, or Oprah or something. It was Dr. Oz and made a fool of himself. (laughs) But what he said was, I take back what I said. There is medicinal value to this. And that alone flipped every soccer mom in the United States. Yeah, And that's what we needed. We needed mom in the household, that's the head of the home, to approve this. Yeah. And once mom says it's okay, well, now she's talking to her mom about it. She's talking to her sister and her auntie. And now the husband, you know, he's got a sore shoulder. Let's put a little bit of lotion on there to see how that works. Here's a tincture so you can sleep better tonight so you don't have to take your Ambien anymore. And you don't need to spam a scotch before you go to bed. Have one of these cookies. This is what happened. If it wasn't for Sanjay Gupta, none of that would have ever happened. He was a huge influence in the forward progression of the canvas. And if I ever meet the guy, I'll buy him a fat steak. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I that so that's what I definitely um, appreciate about what's happening right now with CBD. And at the same time, I am an absolute 100% advocate for the fact that the full spectrum of the plant or having that full panel in the, in the extraction process is the closest thing that you can get to God's medicine. And he created it the way that he created it for a reason. And the more that we extrapolate and, and pull these things apart, the harder it's going to be for us to feel that full um, medicinal value of what the plant is actually capable of. And I'm speaking from personal experience. You know, I was in a near fatal surfing accident when I was a teenager And I had to go through 
you know, tens of thousands of dollars, dozens of doctors, intravenous pain medications, you know, years and years of despair and, you know, feeling totally discouraged and really abandoned by the medical system. And it was a holistic neurologist from Europe who actually introduced me to my endocannabinoid system, taught me about microdosing, strain selection, phytonutrients, the difference in hemp and cannabis con- uh, cannabinoid content. And, and that's what really kicked off my whole journey here. So I'm a full advocate for, you know, how things are being cultivated all the way through to how things are being packaged and delivered to me as a patient and really making sure that that education is available for other people to make those same kind of educated decisions um, and really enrolling themselves and immersing themselves in the culture of holistic wellness that includes cannabis and hemp, but is not solely dependent on cannabis and hemp. So a year ago, I would have been standing right with you and holding up a flag and saying she's 100% correct. My education level has changed and the future of all cannabis intake to your body or uptake in your body is actually separating every cannabinoid out of the plant and then recombining it back for a custom mixture for your body to help with excesses and deficiencies within your cannabinoid system to target those. So right now, if someone says UK cheese is the best strain for you, anybody that tells you this is a bag of UK cheese and it smells something like UK cheese, you're going to buy it. Doesn't matter how it was cultivated. Doesn't matter if it was run short of water and veg. Doesn't matter if it had high pH in the wrong foot. None of that matters. But every bit of that, that changes the cannabinoid profile of the plant. So what we're truly doing here is indica and sativa at the end of the day really don't make a difference. What makes a difference is the cannabinoid content in combination within those. Now, the terpenes make a big difference, but we are going to get so in-depth in the next four or five years of this that you're going to go see a doctor, they're going to take a blood draw or saliva draw, and they're going to tell you where excess and deficiencies are, and you're going to get a custom-ordered uptake of your choice of cannabinoids and of your flavor. Absolutely. So you say, I'm okay, I'm already it's coming right. Customized it's the whole, yeah, it's the whole future. But the problem is we haven't had human testing on this because it costs twenty million dollars to do a human test. Yeah, we're getting through that. Once we start to have funding and research, then we'll be there. So that's the entire future. For right now, we're kind of throwing a dart against a dartboard and saying we hit a bullseye every time. When sometimes we don't even hit the dartboard. Yeah. So. The future is changing, but for right now, until that research is available, full spectrum, 100%. I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. Let me ask you something. For somebody that's just getting in right now, um, like I've, I've got some relatives that they're seeing, they're feeling they're, their comfort level. They've been in other industries. They've done well in their comfort level now with the, with the way that the laws are. They want to get in. What do you think the biggest, um, the biggest um, like opportunities are in the industry right now? I have this a lot. I have a lot of people call me with the exact situation and uh, I'm very blessed for this. Um, Most of the time, which makes me really happy, is somebody between 45 and 60 that has got an opportunity to retire a little bit early or has a significant amount of savings that they want to invest into the industry. They've been bitten, if you will. It's sunk their teeth in. So what I like to do is actually physically meet with these people to kind of read their personalities a little bit, but I'm not going to be able to do that with your relatives. I mean, I could if you wanted me to, but I can't do this with everybody that's listening. So what I would say is you kind of got three sectors if you want to be hands-on 
roots with the plant. You're going to cultivate, you're going to extract, or you're going to sell it. So you need to figure out which one of those fits your personality the best. If you just tell me, Sean, give me the economics of this. Screw the personalities. Economics. Be a grower. And people are going to be like, no, 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 no. My cousin Jimmy, who's a grower, shit, they shut that thing down. They lost two and a half million dollars. Yeah, he didn't know what he was doing. The best cannabis I have purchased in the last three years came from a little tiny dispensary outside of Bellingham, Washington. I was very fortunate this summer. We took three weeks off of life and rode Harleys from Seattle all the way to Anchorage, all the way back to Denver, Colorado. Took three weeks off. It was a fabulous trip. I walk into the dispensary and just tell this kid, don't care about cannabinoid counts, don't care about terpene profiles, what's the best shit you have in this place? He spins on 180, walks downstairs. I'm like, that's a good sign. Shows back up, has this little tiny box, has a cherry and a lemon on the top. He opens it up, and all I can tell you, listen, I know a trichome count on a plant doesn't matter to the high. And don't let anybody tell you, oh, it's got so many trichomes, it's going to extract higher percentages or get you higher. It has nothing to do with that. But this thing looked like it had been dipped in sugar and rolled and then maybe shoved through a sugar sieve. It was so frosty. He opened the jar, or no, they can't open the jar in Washington. I looked at it, I said, I'll take a half ounce of it. I had like 14 hours. So I was like, let's do this. That weed was unbelievable. I went out parking lot, drove down the street, burned one, came right back, told the guy, I was like, hey, 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 what's the story on that weed right there? He's like, okay, there's this guy. He's been growing this strain for 16 years. This is the only strain he grows. And he grows 18 pounds every two months. I said, okay. And he said he glasses it up in these little tiny glass jars and he sells it. And he sells to these dispensaries, this little boutique spot. I said, okay. Well, I can tell you, I just paid for a half ounce of weed in Washington State. I paid $240 in a state where you can buy ounces for 50 bucks. Way over flooded market. Way over flooded market right now. This guy is still commanding on his pound prices, 3200 bucks wholesale. And he's getting it because the guys are paying 500 for the ounce by the time they leave the store because it's only packaged in quarters. It's all you can buy it in. Can't buy it any other way. Quarters, that's it. So this guy is getting 3200 for a pound wholesale, a state where pounds are being sold for six to $800. How is he doing that? Live soil beds a completely boutique grow that him and his girl are the only ones that work on it. No one else comes in it. No other genetics come in it. Nothing changes. Same thing every single time. And homie's pulling down some money. He's pulling down some dough. I mean, it isn't too hard to figure. He'd make a $64,000 on Prana Pop if he pulls 20 P's. So I'll take 30K a month working with just me and my old lady, never leaving the property, completely legal. Yeah, I'll take 30K a month all day. Yep. Pay my fees, pay my licenses and move on in life. So if you want to get in, if you want to protect your money and you want to have a good livelihood and actually be able to leave and have a life, that's what I would do. I would start a little tiny boutique greenhouse grow that's live soil. And I would grow one exotic strain that you are so intimate with. You can see it from literally four tables away and be like, that's mine. That's my Jackie cookie. I know what that plant is. I can tell you from here, it's in week three of veg. And by the way, you didn't prune it right. You should have pruned it in internode six instead of seven. I can tell you why. You get that intimate with a plant. There's not a dispensary in the state that won't buy your product from you. 
So you're basically saying for the person out there that has a few hundred thousand dollars or maybe a half a million or a million that wants to get started or at least figure out, you know, where's going to be a long lasting niche. You're saying the craft cannabis market um, where you, where you, um, you create a unique situation with your own brand. That's correct. And once your brand actually begins to gain some traction and people realize who you are, you start crossbreeding it. You get all the way up into F3s and F4s. And if people don't know what that is, you take a male and a female, you cross them. That's an F1. You take the seeds that come male and a female that come off that, you cross those. That's an F2. So on and so forth, so on and so forth. By the time you get to an F3 to F6, generally speaking, the genetic is stabilized. The male and the female stabilized what you want it to be. That's what I do. I would get intimate with the plant and then I would start breeding out the cuts of these strains that I, I bred them. And then I would start selling seeds and clones of those, but constantly keep coming up with new ones. So take your cherry lemon and cross it with Mac and then do that four times and then pull that Mac back and back cross it to a peanut butter breath male and then run those out and then back cross it to a Sunday driver and run those out. And you keep doing this, people will fucking sleep outside of dispensaries waiting for your strain drop. Yeah, that's I'm I can, I can prove it. Outside of your dispensary. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just a way advice, to do man. it. That's awesome. That's great advice because I think a lot of people out there and a lot of my friends up in, in Northern California, actually, they've had a hard time getting into the, the legal industry. And, yeah, uh, and I got to say, I, I have to say to those people, if any of them listen to your podcast or anything, and this is something I try to always say when I'm in a public forum, is we all, everybody today needs to stop and thank an OG. You need to find that really cool uncle back in high school. You need to find your buddy's mom that was super cool, would hook you up. On, you need to find these people and thank them. You need to find someone who's done real time for prison for moving big packs. Shake their hand and buy them a drink and a steak and tell them thank you. Without you risking what you did, none of us would be standing where we're at. So your OGs out of Northern Cali, I'm not going to teach them a damn thing about cultivating. I'm not going to teach them anything about how the cycle of that plant works. I can teach them about business. Yeah. Because business That's is where they need help. That's really where they That's need right. help. Because they've, they've perfected their craft, you know? That's where they're really... Oh, where they, they know help. what they're doing. But yeah. now you get all these regulations and you got people knocking on your door and you got to do a mycofungus test and they're like, what's a mycofungus test? Yeah. I get it. I get it. Well, I, I came from that side to this side and I'm, I'm well versed in this. This shit don't scare me at all. Now I have no problems with this. So I often tell people, if you're in that position, reach out, get a hold of me, man. Listen, I can't offer my services for free, but I'm all about trade, man. I like hooking up with knowledge and I like hooking up with people that can share their knowledge with me. It's not always about the dollar. So if you're struggling with that, maybe you're in the wrong community. Maybe you're in the wrong state. Maybe you need to expand your wings and fly a little further from your home base to expand your knowledge base to other markets so you can be respected instead of looked down upon. And if that affects anybody, if for what it's worth, pack your shit and move. Yeah, Life's short. That's awesome advice. Your passion's in front of you. Enjoy yeah. it and chase it because there's people out there, big corporate showing up in Colorado right now. And I applaud it. I'm all for it. I have no problem with it. I'm not the guy being like, oh, it's bad. But it's coming, guys. So the more craft people we have, everybody, oh, this isn't the time to get in. Yes, it is. If you want to jump in, now's the time to get in. Make your mark be different. Do it your way, and I promise you'll stand out. Hell That's awesome. Yeah. So how can our listeners find you online? Do you have any social media handles or website? 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yetifarms.co on Instagram. Uh, you can look up Yetifarms.co on Google. Uh, you can look me up on Facebook, Sean, S-H-A-W-N, Honaker, H-O-N-A-K-E-R. And my Instagram handle is BlondeSugar76. So you can find, you can type around and find me. I'm all around. I'm very accessible. My cell phone number is plastered all over the internet, like on a bathroom wall at a truck stop. So anybody and everybody can get a hold of me. And uh, I'm pretty, just shoot me a text. If you don't get a hold of me, I'm very open to, I mean, I got a truck driver I talk to every morning from Louisiana that wants to get in the game down there. And yeah. he tells me where he's at in the United States every day. And he tells me about his passion every day. And I give him a little bit more advice and a little bit more knowledge on how to move forward and a little bit more words of encouragement. And, I'm a very accessible person to get a hold of. So if anybody wants to get a hold of me, feel free. Awesome. I love it. Well, all of the social media handles and websites will be posted inside of this blog right here that is surrounding the video. Um, Make sure that you guys check it, check out Sean and everything that he's doing on Yeti Farms. I literally almost never get to just sit back and enjoy the advice that is coming through on the line during these interviews. It's often like very heavy on my side sharing. So <laughs> it's, it's so refreshing to be able to just sit back and I literally feel blessed by the energy of your work and, and the amount of time and focus um, and attention that you pay to excellence and in, in what you're doing. I also really appreciate how you've niched down and you do the piece of it that you're really great at and really passionate about. And you're not trying to be everything to everyone. I always say that the riches are in the niches and that is translates both in impact and in income. So I really appreciate your approach. Um, For those of you guys who are tuning in, thanks so much for being a part of this incredible community. We live to serve you with the truth about cannabis and hemp so that you can make empowered and educated decisions about how you want to care for yourself, the people that you love, conditions that you may be suffering from or otherwise enjoy and preserve this beautiful gift of life as a healthy, happy human. If you're looking for products that you can depend on delivering the results you're looking for, Secrets.com. And if you are a budding entrepreneur looking for some tips and tricks, resources or relationships that you need to get started in this space or troubleshoot any of the many inevitable challenges that come with this incredible industry, check us out at theemeraldcircle.com. We are happy to help. Sean, thanks so much for your time today. Excited to come and visit you in Pueblo. And for those of you guys who are tuning in, I'm Sonia, your hostess with the mostest. This is my husband, James, and this is the Hemp Revolution. We'll see you on our next show, guys. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode. We took notes on this episode for you, along with all the links and resources mentioned in the episode. Get them free on the show notes page here at www.medicalsecrets.com. If you love this show and our content, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you really want to help us get the message out there, please rate, review, and tell all your friends. With your help, we can continue to reach the world with our message. And until next time, we hope you join the hemp revolution. And we challenge you to dream big and love the life you live.